Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Um, I want you, if you have a Bible with you, to turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke. It's in the New Testament. Uh, if you go into the New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So Luke's right there. We're going to go to chapter 15. And, and I'm going to read a couple of verses to you, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to open this thing up. And I believe that God has something that he wants to challenge us in today. And uh, when God challenges you, he's not trying to squash you. He's actually trying to grow you. And that's the beauty of God. All right, so let me, let me read to you. Uh, coming from Luke chapter 15, and, uh, and this is, a, this is a, a beautiful, most of this is red letters in my Bible. That means that that's Jesus speaking. And so, so listen up to this. It says, uh, the tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Now let me pause right there. You're like, tax collectors, what's going on? Uh, if, if you were to, uh, during the time when Jesus was walking on the earth, if you were to look up the most, uh, I don't know, uh, people that just, they weren't liked. The phrase tax collector always shows up. Now, I guess it's not too much different these days. We just call it something else, but uh, IRS or anything. But uh, so tax collectors, they, people hated them. They were considered to be the most, uh, they were the scum of scum because they were constantly stealing from people, you know, more than they should. And they would pocket the leftovers and they would turn the rest over to the Roman government. So nobody really liked them. But it says the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Some people are like, well, you know, it's just for the, the perfect religious people. That's, that's not what Jesus was doing. It says, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law, this made the religious people uh, complain that he was associating with such sinful people. And in my Bible, it has a dash. And it goes, even eating with them, exclamation point. <laughs> like that was, can you believe this Jesus? Not only is he hanging out with them, but he's eating with them. You know, it's like, okay. Aren't you grateful that Jesus hangs out with, with crazy, dirty sinners? I'm so glad because I wouldn't have any time with him if he just hang out with perfect people. I would be left out in the cold. Verse 3, it says, so Jesus told them a story. So he knows what's going on. He can perceive their thoughts. He knows what they're upset about. He knows what they're struggling with. And he looks around, and he's well aware of the people that he's hanging out with. And he says, he tells them this story. If a man has a 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, uh, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. This is one of my most favorite chapters in all of the Bible because it paints the clearest picture. There's actually three stories in this chapter that have the same theme, but it paints the clearest picture of the heart of God and the love that he has. 
Amen. Remember, I love to hear y'all talk. This is not a quiet church. That's, that's what libraries are for. Churches are for celebrating. That's what we're doing up in here. Okay. So let me, let me tell you a quick story just to kind of get into this. Now, I've got three kids, and uh, they're all amazing. They're, they all, they're all church planners. They've all been a part of helping make this thing a reality. Uh, but I want to tell a story that I, I tell a lot when I actually teach the first session of Engage. And years ago, I think maybe... Uh, maybe five or six years ago when we lived in uh, the Washington, D.C. area. Um, at that time, uh, Jaden, I think you were maybe five or six years old or something like that. And we went to a Kohl's department store. Anybody know about Kohl's? You know, it's, you know, it's a department store. What are you going to do? Anyway, um, so we were, so Jaden was kind of at that stage where, you know, he's the youngest of three. And so, you know, he, he, you know sometimes he would like to have the hand-holding situation. And, but he also likes to be free, right? And so he would kind of get in that place where no longer could we constrain him by the hand-holding. He, he wanted to be free. And so at some point, you know, all the parents in here, y'all know this, right? At some point, you, you got to let go. At some point. And so we were like, oh, maybe now is the time. And so we let go, and he's hanging out, and we're looking at stuff. And a couple minutes later, we realized there's no Jaden. We're like, oh, dear. And so at first, you can kind of see this coming. At first, it's like, hey, J- Jaden. Jaden, and uh, Kara, Kara escalates a lot faster than I do. I'm still at the Jaden. She's like, Jaden! I'm like, babe, people are looking, people are staring. Like, great, now we're the parents that can't keep up with where our kids are. You know, so we have two others with us. We got, we got Cole, we got Kate, and then finally it got to the point where, okay, yeah, we get a little panicky, a little scared because we can't find them, we're searching. And so now phase two is search party. Search party. Cole, you go that way. You go to the toy section. Kate, you go over to maybe the, the, the boys' clothes area. We're just going to scour and find the place. So it went on for maybe five minutes, but when you're a parent, that feels like five hours. You're like, you're, you're sweating. You're like, I don't, I don't know, you know, you know, local news. Pastor loses child in department store. Can't ever find him again. You're like, oh, how's this going to go? So we're searching. Five minutes later, I don't remember who found him, but, you know, somebody, somebody found Jaden. So Jaden comes back, and I think he was a little, he was a little, you know, because I remember when I was a kid, the first time I got lost in a grocery store, I was, real, I was two aisles away from my mom, but I felt like I had, you know, I was in another country. I'm like, it's like the vegetable section. I've never come here before, you know. But we found him, and when we found him, you know, it's like, oh, okay, got that sense of relief. You're counting one, two, three. Okay, we got all three, and uh, and then you know you go on with your life. But I'm telling you, um, never at one point in that time did we ever think to ourselves, um, 66%, two out of three. That's not bad. <laughs> and if you know, if we need to, we could always try to make another one too. So then we kind of kind of balances things out. Never, never once as a parent do you ever have that thought like, eh, it's not a, I mean, 66%, if I'm playing baseball, that's Hall of Fame numbers right there, you know. <laughs> we didn't think that. That was not our heart. We were literally willing to rip that department store upside down so that we could find that lost child. And we did. There's so much that God desires to find around us. It all comes in the, in the package of a human being. It comes in the package of a, of a name, of a soul, of a, someone who was created in the image of God that has purpose and that before, before a parent was even aware that there was a baby coming into the picture that God already knew the name, God already had plans, God already knew the, the destiny, God already was in the process of setting up things in place to make sure that this person that would come into the world 
would be able to have the means to be in relationship with their almighty creator. And, and I just want you to know that that's that same experience that I had at a microcosm is the passion that God has for all of humanity in an expanse that we would never be able to even wrap our minds around. And for those that are, that are in this room and that, that hear my voice that have experienced the love and the grace of God, you need to know that you were the one. You were, in, in the kingdom of God, no one starts out as a 99. We all start out as the one that's missing. We all start out as the one that's lost. It doesn't matter if you were raised in church or if you were brought off the streets and you don't even know how you got here, but you're here today. Doesn't matter whether you had perfect family and perfect parents. That's, we all know that doesn't work, right? That doesn't exist. Or whether you came up in the most broken, broken, broken situation that you can't even begin to describe to other people because they would never be able to relate with your story. We are all at some point found to be far from where we think God is. Feelings of distance, feelings of disconnection, feelings of not knowing whether we are even valued or not because we feel so alone. But I want to tell you today, and for many of you, you've received this revelation for yourself already, but I think it's so important for those that have realized that at one point we were one, but now we're part of the 99 to remember where you came from, to remember where God brought you from, and to not lose sight of the heart of God now that you are in the fold, so to speak. Because I want to tell you that as, as we look at year two for Convo Church, it's like one year, great. It's been, a, it's been an amazing year. I can't, I, Karen, I can't even put into words what we have experienced and how amazed we are by God over this last year. You know, when we came here with only our family, with only a U-Haul truck, with literally nothing else, no people, no guarantees, no support, just a U-Haul truck that had a piano in it that we just take everywhere for the love of anything. Three kids <laughs> driving across the country because we had a crazy, ridiculous thought that just maybe God was calling us to plant a church in Reno, Nevada, of all places. And everybody on the East Coast just thinks Reno 911. I'm like, no, that's not, that's, not what it, that's not what it looks like. There's not the stash and the short shorts with it. Anyway, that's just, I had to, I'm trying to bring people out here so they know. They just don't know yet, but they're going to know about Reno. It's amazing. But we came out here not knowing what it would look like, not knowing if we would succeed, not knowing if anybody would care to hear the message that, had, that God had put in our heart, to get a year into it now and to see what God has done, to see over 300 people that have given their life to Jesus Christ through what we've been doing, to see people who have been healed, to see marriages that are being restored, to see people that were in a state of brokenness, but now they find themselves in a state of wholeness to see the things that God is opening up for us in our city, in our region, to, to do our best to be the hands and the feet of God, uh, to bring love and grace to everyday conversations. It's, it's blown our minds. But what would happen if we just sat back in our recliner and high-fived each other about what a great year it's been and we just sit around and cheers, toast each other, and then we get comfortable with our 99 and we begin to take our eyes off of the one. God's heart for the world is the one. God's heart for our nation is the one. 
God's heart for our region is the one. Listen, God's heart for where he has you working is for the one. If you're a Jesus follower, it's impossible for you to go anywhere and just, I'm just collecting the paycheck. I'm just doing this. No, you are on mission by God. It's like a blues brother quote or something like that. Everywhere you go, the mission's always there. We're just not always aware of the mission. And so what God is wanting to do in our hearts and what, here's my guarantee to you, that Kara and I will always lead out of a place of having to trust God to put down our foot on the next step where he's taking us. And, I, and maybe that won't, won't be the most comfortable church to be a part of. Maybe it won't be the easiest church because constant, we're constantly going to be doing stuff that, that, that pushes people into a position of, of getting outside of a comfort zone. And, 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 so, and I don't know, but that's, that's our guarantee because we didn't come here to do church. We came here on mission to make sure that there are no more ones left. And many of you are of those who when you showed up, you were still lost. You were still broken. You were still hurting. You were still confused. And, and, and we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not reaching perfection yet. I get that. And we're not where we want to be. I get that. But we sure as heck aren't where we were. And I refuse to go backwards, and I refuse to allow myself personally to get comfortable with where we are. And we've had a lot of other pastors and other churches and people that, that they, they look at Instagram, and they're like, man, it looks like y'all are crushing it, killing it. Wow, it must be so good. I'm like, what well, it is. And God's so good, but we got a lot of work to do. We're not here to compare ourselves to how other churches are doing and judge ourselves successful or unsuccessful. We're here to do what God has called Convo Church to do, and we won't stop until he tells us that we've completed what he's asked us to do. And I want to give you a little spoiler alert. In this side of eternity, we will never be done. So we will constantly be pushing for people who don't even know the difference between David and Goliath to be a part of our dream team. We will always be pushing to be flexible as a church, to be flexible in our hearts, to be flexible in our ways, to embrace change for the sake of the gospel. I don't know if you knew this or not. This isn't our place. It's lovely. It is serving us nicely but it's only going to serve us nicely for a season. Even now, I mean, you can look around and say, yeah, I see some room for a couple more chairs. That's fantastic. But upstairs, there's not a whole lot of room left. If you're a parent, you've seen Convo Kids, you know, our team is absolutely amazing. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie when I say that I feel like we have one of the best kids teams in the, in the world. And they're loving on kids. They're teaching them Jesus. They're speaking into their life. They're loving them and encouraging them. But you know what? That room's getting a little full upstairs. So they're like, well, what do you do? Well, you go to a second service. Well, maybe, maybe. But we got to continue to grow our, let me say something that's very unspiritual. Um, we have to grow our infrastructure so that our foundation can be strong. Any architects in the house, any engineers? My man, Herman, I see you, buddy. You're going to be designing some buildings for us up in here. Anyway, you can't build a large structure up if you don't have a foundation to handle it below. And a lot of times, this is where churches that have great people, great leaders, great atmosphere, great anointing, great message, great worship, all some of the, the peripheral metrics that are important, 
and we wonder how come it won't grow? How come we keep getting to this thing? It's like we hit our heads on the ceiling and we come back down and we can't get past this point. And some people say, well, we're just not praying enough. It's not, most of the time, honestly, guys, it's not a spiritual issue. A lot of the times it's an infrastructure issue. It's about people and systems and, and coming together. But here's the deal where it is spiritual. If we lose sight of why we are doing all of these seemingly non-spiritual things, those things will become tiresome to us. And instead of leaning into the why behind what we're doing, and the passion for the one, the passion for the lost, that will drive us to the point of exhaustion, that will drive us into, uh, into relationships with other people that maybe we would have shied away from before, but we're still leaning into those new friendships, is because we want to see more people who are broken and hurting and lost, just like we all have been at some point, become, be able to come in and understand and discover who Jesus really is, and to understand that in him, they will find hope that they've never experienced before, that they will find life that they have never experienced before, that they will find forgiveness and joy and peace that they've never experienced before. And so I asked this question as a pastor to his church, is it worth the work on our end to create the atmosphere so that the one lost can come and find a home? When you lose what you value, you'll do whatever it takes to find what is lost. But here's the thing, you, you'll only truly pursue what you value. Think about that, like in, in just kind of every aspect of life. You're only truly going to go after, I don't mean like check something out, new restaurant opens up. I'll check it out. Let's be honest, a new church opens up. I'll check it out. New department store. They got, you know, they got new sales. Okay, fine, I'll check it out. But that's not a value. You're not going after something because of a value. You're going after because you're, you're curious, but when it comes to the things that we value, something that you can't do without, when it gets lost, you're going to do whatever it takes to go after it and be able to find it. So let me, let me um, gosh, I think that word value is not quite, doesn't quite pack a punch. Let me say it this way. What consumes, what consumes God's heart must also be the thing that consumes ours. So the way that the passion that God has for people that consumes his heart, we have to ask, because it's not natural, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie to you, you know, it's, the, oh, it's a piece of cake just to have all the, you know, that consuming passion that God has for people, you just got to do it. It's like Nike. No, it's not. It's not because, you know, people, people are the, you know, a, a lot of times in life we think that people are the problem. At Convo Church, we flip that on the script and we say people are our passion, and sometimes easier said than done, Right? Can I get an amen? Can somebody tell the truth in church? Okay. But still, so we have to cultivate that passion. And the way that you cultivate that passion is by continuing to lean in to who God is, continuing to lean in to God's word and discovering the things that over the course of all of history, God has revealed his passion to the world. And it says that in John 3, 16, God loves the world. And he's not talking about the, just the, the planet and the structure. He's talking about you, humanity, man and woman, those that were created in the very image of God, the image bearers, the sons and daughters of God, God loved us so much that he was willing to give up the life of his only son so that the ones who are lost could be brought back into relationship with him. So let me, I'm going to give you a couple um, quick 
um, there's statements. They're not really points. They're statements that define us as a church, that define who we are moving forward. Number one, these are things that, that we believe scripturally are, they're just unshakable. Number one, God loves all people. God loves all people. Can somebody say all? It's a complicated word, right? It means all. What about, you know, you're already thinking about somebody. Well, I'm probably not this dude right here. All. Everybody. God loves all. John 3, 16. We just quoted that one. Listen, love has never been the issue with God. Love has never been the issue because God is love. It's not just something he does. It's his identity. And so if God doesn't love, then it removes uh, the, the very essence and nature of who he is, removing his ability to be God. He can't do it. He can't, he can't help but love. Love has never been the issue. The issue has been humanity's choice to respond to God's love. We've, we've probably all, you know, in some point in time had that thought, well, you know, if God loves us so much, why didn't he just, like, make us all love him? And, you know, not that I would go to, to Bruce Almighty to study theology, but they got this one part really right which is you can't, you can't force love because of this beautiful thing that God put in place called free will. God doesn't want robots. He wants relationship. He doesn't want religion. He wants relationship. He doesn't want, he doesn't want people to just aimlessly walk around, yes, we will love each other and do whatever you say. No, he, he wants to have the very thing that actually you desire too. He just actually wants it more. Check this out. God wants all people saved and redeemed. Matthew 18, 14, it says, this is Jesus talking. He says, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. You're like, what's talking about kids? No, we, well, we, we're, did you used to be a kid? Yeah, he's talking about everybody. And if it is not God's will that we would perish, why would God put a system in place that, that some people teach, pick and choose who God's already identified that he's gonna love and save? We don't believe that mess here. We don't believe that junk theology that says that, well, God's already picking and choosing who's going to heaven and who's going to hell, and I know that dude's going to hell. I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven. What makes you think that you're more confident about who you are in the eyes of God than the person you're judging? The only thing that's greater than God's desire for everyone to be saved and redeemed is his desire for everyone to make the choice to come to him. Because like I said, he loves all people, but he doesn't want robots. He wants relationship. Here's another one, number three. Jesus came for the lost and is the solution for all lostness. Jesus is the solution. I know a lot, like in some, in some you know, discussions, people may not like that all the way. Like as narrow-minded to say that Jesus is the only way. Listen, I don't know about you, but if I was at the end of my rope, the end of my life, I only had, I was in a situation that was going to consume me. And I came up to a maze. And all of a sudden, I had 15 entrances in front of me. And I felt like my life was about to be at the end of itself. Am I going to have more peace figuring out which one of these 15 ways is the way that I should take? Or am I going to have more peace looking at a single direction that says, wow, that's the way, that's the truth, that's the life. I'm not going to make it, but if I go this way, I know I'm going to make it. And boom, I head in the direction to follow Jesus. 
We get caught up and like, well, let's not identify God as who he is and we can just get there however we want. Listen, if you could get there however you want, you wouldn't need God because you'd be the solution for yourself. But let me tell you something, humanity is broken and that includes you. That includes you. You are broken. You are not the solution for yourself. God is the solution for us and it's not his, his narrow-mindedness that keeps it one option. It is his grace and his mercy that keeps it one option so that he's not overcomplicating the whole process of getting to him. Religion complicates things. Jesus opens up the way. I don't have to wonder if it's the way because Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. If you want to get to the Father, you come through me. I'm like, well, good, thank you for simplifying this for me. I don't have to be confused anymore. Jesus, how do I know that you're the way? Let me show you the way. Well, how do I get to the Father? Well, I gotta do something first. What are you gonna do, Jesus? Well, there has to be punishment for your sin. Oh, dear. Oh, here it comes. Here comes the judgment. I knew it was coming. Now, don't worry about that. I'm gonna take care of that. So Jesus says, I'm gonna go to the cross. I'm gonna take the weight of sin and sickness and disease. I'm gonna take the punishment of sin. I'm gonna take it upon myself. I'm going to be beaten beyond recognition. I'm going to have a crown of thorns thrust into my skull. I'm going to be beaten with a stick. I'm going to be whipped so that the flesh hangs off my back. I'm going to be nailed up onto a cross, hung in between two actual thieves that deserve what they're getting. And I'm going to do that so that when the time comes to give an account for your life, the Father, when he looks at your, the scope of your life, and for those that have said yes to Jesus and put their faith in who he is, all the Father sees is the blood that the Son shed on the cross. And he sees your sins covered and forgiven. Amen. So instead of us coming before God on that day and we're like inching up, you know what I mean? Like, it's like when there's a bug that you've never seen before and you're trying to kill it on a wall and you're just kind of like, I don't know if I should get close to this thing or not. We can just come boldly and be like, what's up, Dad? Hey, I'm here. Made it. Somehow. Barely. Hey, do I, do I, do I get in? And he's like, let me take a check. It's like, um... And you're thinking in the back of your mind, I hope he does not remember 1984. Hope he does not remember last night. And he says, yeah, you're good. It says here that you are saved, that you're forgiven, that you're redeemed. It says that you are a new creation. It says that you are healed. It says that you are loved. It says that you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. Come on, let's party. But that, guys, listen, that doesn't happen if we're not the ones who continue to be the mouthpiece, the hands, and the feet of the love of God. So as a church, my guarantee and my promise is that we're going to continue to change as we grow and grow as we change. We are going to be flexible followers of Jesus. So here's the deal. We can get so consumed. All right, let me reverse that. Let me be transparent for a minute if that's okay with you if you're comfortable with this. In almost two decades, that makes me feel old, in almost two decades of serving Jesus in ministry, many of those years I have spent chasing after the 99. Because I wanted them to be happy, I wanted everybody to get along, I wanted everybody to like me, I wanted everybody to see the success of what God was doing through me. And if they didn't like it, then I felt insecure and I had to figure out how do I make them like me more until God got a hold of my mind and my heart to transform me, to let me know the number one, Craig, guess what? Good luck. It's not about you. 
It's about what I've already done in you and now I need you so that you can go and help other people discover that too. And so I'm telling you, we can, as, as, church, as Jesus followers, as Christians, so much of the garbage that we see in the church world that I have seen, and I'll tell you firsthand, have probably been a part of contributing to myself in years past, and by the grace of God, hopefully I won't anymore, but probably will at some point. Hopefully, we can allow ourselves to not get so caught up in the craziness of the 99 that it takes our eyes off of why we're here, which is going for the one. The church is God's vehicle to fulfill the mission of Christ. Um, This won't be a church where we say, well, no, it's not about getting people to church, you know, because it's just, no, we believe that it's about getting people to church. It's not the only way. Yeah, you should be sharing your faith, sharing your story, share your testimony. You should be out there loving on people. And God, the Holy Spirit's going to create moments for you to share things with people. It's going to be fantastic. We can lead people to the Lord wherever we are. But I'm telling you, if we can get people to an atmosphere where all of us are gathered together and the grace and the love of God is evident in the room, and the Holy Spirit is moving, the presence of God is here, we won't have to have the words to convince them because the Spirit of God will be here to move them. And so we will always have that core conviction that, yeah, we believe that the church is the answer to carry the answer, which is the name of Jesus Christ, which is what will drive our passion and will drive our motivation to not get comfortable in a beautiful little space where we're meeting, but to realize that there's going to come a point in time, probably sooner than later, where this will no longer do justice for what God is doing. And we're going to have to find somewhere else to go. We're going to have to find another place to meet. We're going to have to figure out how we can buy property. We're going to figure out how, how, we, how in the world we want to build something that's going to facilitate what we're doing, but not so big that we get comfortable where we are, but just big enough to keep us going so that we're hungry for more. Guys, I'm telling you, we don't want to just be some comfortable little community church that when we get to a certain number in attendance, we can just sit back, smoke cigars, and give each other high fives. Until there are no more ones We will continue to push the envelope. We will continue to ask you to give. We will continue to ask you to serve. We will continue to ask you to extend yourself. And we don't apologize for it because at the end of the day, we don't know how many days left a certain one may have. And so we're going to extend ourselves and get desperate about who God is and get desperate about the lost and realize that we're not going to try to keep 99 happy so that we can keep the 99 together. My insecurities have told me before that, man, if you don't keep the 99 happy, the 99 might turn to the 98. You might have yourself a little Gideon revival taking place. Bible story Gideon, he he had, he was... He was, he, God called him to go into battle, and he gave him, you know, like 30,000 warriors, and he says that's too many. He was going up against like 100,000 people, and then God dwindles down. He ended up going to war with 300 people. That's the Gideon revival. So anyway, I had to give that some context. We get focused, oh, oh, oh no, not 98. What are, we, what are we doing? That's 98. Oh, 97. And all of a sudden we begin to panic because we're so concerned about losing what is actually still there that we lose sight of what's never been there. Can I get real? What's up? Oh, sweet Moses. Some of y'all had a hard time worshiping this morning because you're like, where's the stage? I like the stage. It was uniform. He had lights up underneath of it. 
you know, could see everybody from where I was sitting. And you couldn't even encounter what God was trying to do in you this morning because we changed something. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm smiling really big right now. Because I know the Holy Spirit's pushing buttons. He's trying to get hold of somebody in somebody's life. Guys, listen. If you think that's crazy change, then you just need to buckle your seatbelt. And I'm not talking about, like, tangible stuff. I'm like, what happens when God begins to move in a way that we can't, we can't contain it? What ha- You're like, well, I sit in the seat every week. What happens when you show up on Sunday? Somebody sit in your seat. What if your whole section is filled? You mean you, want, you mean you want me to go sit on the other section? You know, I'm having fun with y'all a little bit. But I'm trying, I want to get to your heart. I want to prepare you. I want to train you. Church, I want to pastor you to realize that God is wanting to do so much more through you than you think you're capable of, than you think is possible. Guys, I'm telling you, we're going to continue to be a church that pushes the envelope. And yeah, we need to be, you know, you know one way that you can go after it. Because everyone in here, listen, do you know somebody who's a one? You just, just have them in your mind right now. Somebody who is, a, who is a one, someone who feels hurt, who feels lost, who feels broken, who feels distant from God. We know somebody, right? The more we dive into God, we will begin to get in our heart a passion that, 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 that mirrors the, the passion that God has for them. And I pray, I dare you. Does that work for anybody anymore? A red hot, double dog, triple dog. I've heard some other ones, they don't make sense to me. I dare you to begin to pray this every single day. God, would you give me your heart for people? I dare you, because he's gonna do it. Guys, I started praying that prayer like seven years ago. I had no idea what I was talking about, because I thought it sounded spiritual. I heard it in a song. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome, I like that song. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Give me your heart for people. And all of a sudden, he began to wreck me. Are you willing to be wrecked by God so that your life, your crazy, dysfunctional, formerly broken, messed up, jacked up life can be used to bring people out of lostness into a place of hope, into a place of redemption, into a place of salvation where they walk into all of a sudden now I have purpose in my life. Yeah, there's still some pretty jacked up stuff going on in my life, but uh, for some reason I feel like I can handle it now. I feel like there's a piece that that wasn't there before. Now I feel like I'm not by myself anymore. And and all of a sudden things begin to transform in people's lives. Can I pray for you? Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.